Hey men, and welcome to another episode of Quality Manhood, a show meant for Christian men seeking to understand how to apply God's truth in everyday life. I'm one of your hosts of the show, PJ Burner, along with my co-host, Kellen Allen. What's going on? We are uh, coming at you with a Interesting subject today. Yeah, uh, subject that uh, is not one that a lot of people like to talk about, um, but one that's important. And uh, it's a subject that we're going to take a little bit of a different angle on. That's the subject of temptation. Temptation. Yeah. I so think we all deal with that, right? I, I think it's pretty much universal to yeah. the human condition. Yeah. In fact, so universal to the human condition is it that Christ, in His humanity, Jesus, in His human state, also suffered temptation, endured temptation. And that brings up an interesting kind of concept to to think about. And that is this, as Jesus was tempted, was Jesus able to sin? As Jesus was tempted, was was sin ever on the table as a possibility for Christ? Kellen, what do you think? I think if if we're looking at from a human standpoint, uh, yes, but from a deity standpoint, 100% 100% God, uh, he, he's not able to sin. So, yeah, it's an interesting question and one to, to think about, but yeah, was, he, was he able to sin? I, I guess you, you, you'd have to say yes. Gun to your head right now. Yeah. You would say Jesus was able to sin. Was it on the table? Yes. Could he do it? No. Being fully God, yeah. he w- it was pos- it, there was a possibility that Jesus could have sinned. He was tempted, yeah. But does temptation imply the necessity of you have to be able to sin? He was not. I guess he wasn't able to sin, but the temptation was in front of him, just like we deal with it, right? In, right. in human form, we but deal with the temptation. temptation does not e- equal sin, right? That's true. Because if Jesus was able to sin, there's a scenario in which Jesus could have sinned and therefore ceased to be God, yes? I don't know about that one. I don't know. I, I, I get you're, you're right in that sense, Hunter. I guess I'm just trying to think about it in the sense of could he sin? I, being human, I guess he could, but he... But he be, didn't have the fallen nature. Right, yeah. Which distinguished his humanity yeah. from what you and I have, right? That's true. So here's a, a different way to look at it. There are external temptations and there are internal temptations, Correct. right? If you take a, a, an average man and you drop him on a deserted island in the middle of nowhere with not another human being on the face of the planet, he's still going to battle with lust, right? Yeah. That's yeah. an internal temptation that comes up from our fallen nature. Yeah, we absolutely. don't need any sort of external stimuli that's just part of our fallen nature yeah. or greed or covetous, whatever it may be there, right? There are those internal temptations that, that are brought up by our fallen nature. Again, that's a temptation that doesn't nece- necessitate that we sin, but it's there. However, now let's talk about external temptation. Right. And I think with Jesus, Jesus didn't necessarily battle with that internal temptation because he didn't have the fallen nature, right? But what we see with Christ is we see that external temptation, He's led into the wilderness by the spirit where he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And then what happens? Satan shows up and from the outside says, hey, look, you're probably hungry. Hey, look, there's a rock over there. Why don't you take that rock and make it bread? That way you can eat it and be satisfied. Hey, you know what? You're the son of God. Why don't we go up to the highest place on the temple? And I want you to throw yourself off here and the angels are going to catch you and bear you up and they're going to support you. Hey, you know what? You're, You're God. You're worthy of glory. Why don't you, if you bow down to me, I'll give you all of the kingdoms of the entire earth. These are external temptations that we also face, but right. these are, are different, right? Because yeah. it's not born out of a sin nature. It's born from just living in a, a broken and fallen world. 
Yeah. So would we say that, could you still say it's on the table because it's in front of him, even though he's not going to be tempted like you and I may have, but it's on the table? Would that... But I think he could experience the the weight of the temptation yeah. without needing to be able to sin. Mm. I think his body was hungry. The temptation to go, oh man, I'm hungry. And yes, I've got the power to turn that rock to bread. And yet at the same time, because he was fully God. And also here's another thing too, right? Mm-hmm. This is getting way deeper than right. we normally do on, on quality manhood. <laughs> I think it's good though. It's but good. there's there's this question about one or two wills yeah. in the person of Jesus Christ. Yep. Those that are in the two-wheel camp, which is where I find myself as well. You look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's saying, look, God, here's my will that this cup would pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. You've got two wills in Christ there. The the human will is always going to submit itself to the divine will Mm. every single time, right? So you take temptation. The human will of Christ can be tempted, Mm -hmm. but it's always going to come back and submit itself to the divine will. Yeah. So... There's debate on this. It's if you guys want to know the the theological terms, which you don't, but here they are anyways. Um, those that would say that Jesus could have sinned when he was tempted, they would be in the camp that's called peccability. That he was able from the right. Latin, he was able uh, pecare, I think is what it is. Those that would argue that he couldn't have ever sinned would be in impeccability camp mm. that he was unable to ever sin. Yeah. So. Whatever. Hopefully you guys are still with us now. That right, we're, no, no, uh, like, uh, I'm out. <laughs> five minutes into this episode and we've been talking about all this stuff. And you're like, where's the stories? I like the stories right. better. Let's talk about temptation with ice cream talking instead. About, right. <laughs> Peckability, Latin. You've thrown Latin at us in the first five minutes of this episode. I don't know if I want to keep going. Right. No, but it's interesting because Jesus experienced temptation. Yeah. We experienced temptation. And I think sometimes we lump temptation in with its bedfellow, which is often sin, unfortunately, mm-hmm. right? James talks about that process, that temptation um, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, produces death, right? And so we often kind of just say, well, if you're tempted, there's sin right behind. But I think what Jesus has proven through his earthly life and ministry is that temptation does not necessarily always result in sin, and also... If we're going to look at a passage like Romans 8, 28, and 29 that says mm-hmm. that God causes all things to work together for the good, well, that would also include those seasons of temptation in our yeah. life, those moments of temptation. And that's that's a difficult thing for us to, to wrestle with because, again, we're so gut-trained to think temptation is bad. Kellen, you found uh, an article recently that yeah. uh, addresses this subject. Tell us a little bit about that article. Yeah, so it goes into eight ways temptation actually works for our good. And so what we want to do um, for the remaining time is just kind of walk through the specifics of you know this this article that we have uh, in in front of us and just talk through you know how it can work for good. Cause I think oftentimes we go and see temptation to your point and we just say, ah, sin, we gotta avoid it. And uh, as we started the show with, we're all gonna be tempted by something. Uh, and our temptations are gonna vary. Yours may be different from mine, but at the end of the day, uh, there's there's some good that can come out of it, and we want to be able to identify uh, that good that can come out of the temptations that we have. So this this article was uh, came out out of uh, Tim Challey's uh, website and his uh, blog. It was earlier this year, but it was one that we kind of we saved and we wanted to to bring forth uh, today because you know, like you talk, talked about, we deal with temptations a lot. But as Christians, how can we look at temptation? And, and transition those because we're all, we, all going to have them into uh, working things out for, for, for the good of, of Christ and for the good of our, our brothers and that are around us as well. And so 
Uh, we'll go through the fir- these eight um, and then kind of give you some thoughts on them. But the first one is uh, temptation works for good when it sends the soul to prayer, when it sends the soul to prayer. And I think that's that's one that, that comes to mind uh, right off the bat is like when we're tempted, uh, we, we tend to pray. We, we cry out to God and we probably it probably is a reminder for us that we need to be praying more. But uh, that temptation sometimes can get us on our knees quicker than anything else. And that can get us in the habit of understanding we, we need to be praying more. And, uh, you know, whether that the temptation ends up how we want it to end up or, you know, God has a different plan for us, it's great for that temptation to start our prayer life getting much stronger than it probably currently is in that moment. Right, right. I mean, the, it's a biblical principle, right? If anyone thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he fall. Yep. Uh, when we become boastful in our righteousness, when we become boastful in our uh, thinking that we're, we're good enough, we're fine, we don't need to worry about it, we've got this life, we're godly, we're, we're, we're good to go, and we begin to drift from our dependence on prayer, that's when you know sin is crouching at the door, ready to devour us, ready to overpower us, ready to take us out at the knees, right? So um, yeah, when, when we are tempted, one of the things that we should do and one of the ways that temptation can produce good things in our lives is if it drives us to prayer. Uh, by the way, guys, these, uh, these are Charlie's um, gleanings from a, a book that was written by a uh, Puritan author whose name is Thomas Watson. Uh, Thomas Watson wrote a book called All Things for Good, mm-hmm. and uh, these actually come out of that writing. So these are not uh, unique even to Tim Challies. These are just uh, something that some things that he put together, some things that he drew out from that reading that uh, we think are, are helpful for you guys. But yeah, certainly, man, if you are battling temptation, go to the Lord in prayer. But even more than that, start your day in prayer. Uh, continue your day in prayer. Be like Paul says and, and, and pray without ceasing because if we're going to be able to encounter temptation the way that, that our Savior did and overcome it, um, then we need to be mindful that we are dependent on the Lord and turn it to Him in prayer. Second thing temptation does for our good is it will motivate us to, to battle sin even more uh, vigorously in our lives. Um, when we are tempted by a particular sin, man, that's that's like a giant neon flashing sign in our lives that says, hey, this is a problem. Yeah. Um, and we need to go to work on battling that sin. Yeah, I think one of the main things that we talk about just, you know, when counseling someone or meeting with another brother that's struggling with sin is like, you know, how are you battling it? Are you just laying down and letting this take over your life, this temptation? Or are you putting, you know, certain guard rails that are in your life that are going to keep you from um, going down that road of temptation. And if you're not, we're easily going to get swallowed up. Uh, but what does that look like? How how much are you praying? How much are you around other brothers in Christ? How much um, are you, you know, if it's a, a certain path that you take to work or come home from, going out the way, being able to battle that. And if it takes uh, some little extra effort, then that's what you got to do to make sure that we're not continuing to fall for that same temptation. So battling sin. Right. Yeah. I mean, so many guys will come up to us and be like, Hey man, I'm really struggling with this sin. And my response is stop struggling with it. Start fighting it, start (laughs) battling it. Right. Um, you can't, the Bible's clear. We can have victory over these things. And so if you've got a sin that you continually are tempted by, uh, men, don't be a victim of that sin. Go to war, start fighting, start battling. And, um, that's a, a, a good thing that temptation can do in our lives is it can make us more aware of that. Right. Think about Jesus when he says, uh, hey, if my right hand causes me to sin, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to cut it off and throw it away from me. Absolutely. My right eye causes me to sin. I'm supposed to gouge it out and throw it away from me, right? I mean, that's radical 
uh, aggressive, attacking treatment of sin. And we need to deal with temptation the same way, man. We need to battle the sin that we're tempted by in that. What's the third one there, Kellen? Yeah, the third one is temptation works for good when it promotes humility. Um, and, and understanding that, you know, we're, we're all going to be tempted and we, none of us are too big to be tempted. None of us are to the point where we can just overcome this. And, um, you know, I think that that tends to provoke a lot of, you know, people thinking that I can isolate this, I can handle this. And, you know, that temptation, it doesn't go anywhere. It's continuing to stay there. And it, it should provide that humility uh, that's in our, our life to let us know that, look, we, we need others in our life. We can't do this by ourselves. Um, doesn't matter who you are. Uh, temptation will get the best of anybody trying to battle it alone. And so it requires us to realize that, you know, we're not that powerful. Like Satan, if we try to fight him alone, we'll lose every time. Right. And that verse that I read earlier is 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Um, and again, that's that concept that we're talking about here, pride. We need to make sure that we are not thinking that we're above this, that we're beyond it, that we're past it. Um, and there are some sins in your life that you will be tempted by for the rest of your life. And that doesn't mean you're going to be defeated by that. That doesn't mean that that sin is going to own you for the rest of your life. In fact, it shouldn't. Uh, own you for the rest of your life because of what Christ has done, that he has set us free from sin. But there's going to be a, a vigilance that's required from us and a humility for us to say, look, um, I need to make sure that I'm always aware of this temptation unless I get you know, blindsided by it. Uh, because if if you turn your back, uh, you know, again, sin, if you think of uh, uh, Muhammad Ali standing over, was it Sonny Lee? Who Liston. was it? Sonny Liston. Who's Sonny Lee? <laughs> I don't know. Sonny like... D, that's a juice. <laughs> Sonny Liston. <laughs> yeah. Kellen's the boxing expert here. I don't even know why I, I, I bring I'm this not, up. But I know it's not Sonny Lee. Whatever, man. <laughs> so anyways, but Ali, if, you, if you've ever seen that picture, Ali's got Liston flat on his back on the yeah. ground and he's standing over him. Well, you know, he's standing over them to bow up to say, look at me, I'm awesome. But at the same time, he's also standing over him to make sure he stays on the mat. Right. And men with sin in our lives and temptation in our lives, that's what we've got to do. We've got to make sure that we don't, walk away before we're sure that that sin is down on the mat. And for some of us, there are sins in our lives that are going to be continually wanting to get up every single day until Christ calls us home. Yeah. So keep, keep that, that humility to say, okay, I got to stay on guard. Right. Yeah. And the next one is temptation works for good when it tries and proves our faith. And this one's tough because it's easy to talk about it when you're counseling somebody. It's like, hey, you, you need to do this. You need to have faith. You need to you know, make this decision in your life. And for that person, it, it's tough and challenging. Uh, but you know, oftentimes it comes to where we have to prove our faith. Um, and the same situation happens in our life. And it's like, man, I just you know, was able to, to share and help and pray with somebody. And now God's put this similar situation in my life. And I got to make it. It may be a job change. It may be um, you know, something that you need to stay off the computer because of pornography, whatever. And, you know, as we talked about, cut your right hand off. It's easy to give that advice, but sometimes we, the, the, the test is like, are we able to do it ourselves? Are we able to know that uh, we need to, a closer relationship with Christ? And so we need to remove this temptation from our, our lives. Is that worth it to us? Right. Because uh, it's easy to talk about it, but when it's in your own life, right. it's a little bit more challenging. And, and when you do those things, when you make those tough decisions, when you chop off the hand, you gouge out the eye, which meant, by the way, just caveat sidebar, we're not talking literal here. So in Please case any of that, you are yeah. new to this whole Christianity thing, don't, don't go home and grab your hacksaw. Um, Jesus was not talking literally. 
This is metaphorical. This is radical, whatever you need to do to stop the sin, right? When we do that and when we experience victory in our lives over a given sin or when we resist temptation, it's encouraging to us. It, it, and that's what this point is saying. It's, it tries and proves our faith. It's something that we can point to and go, man, that wasn't me. That was the spirit working in me that allowed me to resist, that allowed me to endure that, that allowed me to overcome that. And that's encouraging to us as Christians to be able to point to those times and go, okay, God, you use that temptation in my life to strengthen my, my resolve and in, in my certainty of, of my standing with you, of my faith in you. Yeah, you talk about that encouragement, and you have some guys that, you know, they deal with certain temptations, like you said, for 10, 20 years, and then all of a sudden they're able to put a stop to it. Well, that's not just you. You didn't all of a sudden become powerful enough. That's the Holy Spirit working within you if you're a believer, and and God giving you that strength to move on. So, yeah, that is encouraging. Right. This next one's interesting. Temptation works for our good when it equips us to comfort those who are being tempted. Because the first thing that comes to mind here, right, is the accountability relationship with the guy that's like, dude man, I'm struggling with lust. And the other guy's like, oh man, yeah, me too. Hey, let's struggle with lust together. <laughs> and so the accountability meetings are like, did you did you struggle this week? Yeah, yeah. did you struggle this week? I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, dude. All right. Let's we'll, get better. Yeah, let's pray. And then we'll meet next week and talk about how we're both struggling. But that's not what he's talking about right. here. Yeah. What is he talking about here, Kellen? So when you have those temptations that, you know, as we just talked about, maybe it's some temptations that you, You've been able to come, overcome um, through, you know, the Holy Spirit giving you that strength. You may have another brother that God puts in your life that's struggling with that same temptation, and for you to be able to come alongside of them and say, "Look, I, I know exactly where you are. Um, I'm not foreign to this, but let me tell you the way to get through it." And guess what? It's not going to be by yourself. It's going to require prayer. It's going to require accountability. You know, maybe you and and getting other brothers that can get around you to help you get through that temptation. But yeah, God puts these situations in our lives for a reason. It's always interesting that you meet somebody that's like, "Hey, I'm actually struggling with this," or "Hey, I'm going through that, going through this situation," and you just happen to have have done that. You know, God makes those divine appointments for us for a reason. And that, those that's one that we're talking about here where we're able to help somebody. Right. And there's a, a scene in, in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, where the writer uh, talks about in verse one, he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, which clings so closely and run with endurance, the race that is set before us. And a lot of times we think about those witnesses and in the context of Hebrews 12, they're the, the witnesses of Hebrews chapter 11, they're the hall of faith, they're the, the great men and women of faith that are talked about in that chapter. And they are in the arena not to watch us as witnesses, not like we're all witnesses with your favorite person in the world, LeBron James. Champion LeBron James. Yeah. It's not that kind of witnessing. It's a good, like godly biblical Christian kind of witnessing. Um, wherein these are witnesses saying, look, we've done this. We've gone before you. We've run the race. You can do it. Finish the race. Look at Jesus, right? And there's a, a way in which we can be living witnesses to one another as brothers in Christ by saying the same thing. Hey, look, I've been in your shoes before. I've walked through this. I understand the heat of the battle. I know where you are. I've been where you are, but take hope because there's victory in Christ. You can overcome this sin. I've overcome this sin. Let me explain kind of what I did with this. Let me comfort you. Let me encourage you with this. So yeah, it's not an empathizing going, oh dude, we both are just not good at fighting this one particular sin. No, it's saying, I've been where you're at. Let's keep going, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Next one, uh, temptation works for good when it uh, when it stirs up God's fatherly heart towards us. What's he talking about there, Kelly? Yeah, and so when when we're able to work through temptation and understand that God is right there with us. He's 
not left us. He hasn't forsaken us. He's right by our side. And so for us to be able to fight through temptation, God knows everything. He's sovereign. He knows everything that we're dealing with. And I love this in First in Peter. We, we did that study um, earlier in the year with uh, men's Bible study and just talking through every situation, whether it be, you know, our, our, our governing body or our, if, you know, people that we work with or just people that rule over us that God expects us to uh, regardless of what the temptation is, regardless of the situation, is is be good, be honoring, be be in a situation to where people can look at us and say, "What? Why? Why are you different? Why aren't you responding or reacting like everybody else?" Mm-hmm. And it's because we have we have Christ that lives within us and the Holy Spirit that's helping us and understanding that you know this isn't going to last always. This is a, a temptation that's just temporary, but our hope is on eternal matters. And so along the way, if we fight that temptation, we can stir up that fatherly um, love from God, knowing that he's right by our side. Right. Not only that, but we have, according to Hebrews chapter seven, we have Jesus who always lives to make intercession for us. And and Paul in Romans chapter eight says that we've got the Holy Spirit who, uh, when we don't know how to pray as we ought, intercedes with for us with groanings too deep for words. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got the Godhead on our side, essentially. And um, Christ has literally been praying for us. And, uh, and that's amazing to think about. And the Father hears those prayers and has compassion on us because of, uh, what Christ has done for us. And because we are his sons as well now because of our relationship with Christ. So yeah, uh, men, when you are, are struggling, God is not some vindictive, distant, um, you know, sovereign uh, punisher. He is no, rather a, a, a father who sees you go, uh, enduring temptation, who is listening to the prayers of his son on your behalf as you endure temptation, and who is certainly pleased uh, when you are resisting temptation, when you are resisting sin, when you are overcoming the the, the temptation to sin, there, um, absolutely, Kellen. What's next? Yeah, uh, the last or me, the last two that we have. The first one is, and it makes us long for heaven. So as we yeah, sort of just alluded to, is you know this the current situation that we're in now. This isn't our home, and right. we're not supposed to get comfortable here. People try to make this world like I, I want to make it a better place. I want to make it, you know, perfect. It's not built to be that way, and it's going to continue to get worse and worse. And that's not for us to be sort of Debbie Downer here and say like, "Hey, this is what it is." But it's true. The Bible tells us that all, as believers, we long and we hope for that day where we can spend. Uh, eternity with God, and there's no heartache, there's no pains, and so every time that we struggle with temptation, it, sh- it should be a reminder for us that this is not our home, and there will come right. a day where we're no longer tempted because we're in the presence of God, and we don't have that anymore. Right, and you alluded to it with some of the words that you even just said there, but Revelation 21, uh, verses 1 through 4, Paul, or not Paul, John, rather, <laughs> uh, Paul just says so much. He's trying to make a statement here. Paul what are and John got to be yeah. up in heaven going, oh, come on, really? Again, like Paul... <laughs> You wrote so much of it, man. I I, you can't even give me uh, the proper credit here. Anyways, John wrote this in Revelation 21, one through five. He said, uh, or one through four, therefore I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things 
have passed away. And the former things are the things that are broken in this world because of sin. And when he says that God is going to dwell with us, well, how can God dwell with us? Because there's no sin. When he says death is going to be no more, well, how can death be no more? Well, there's no sin. Death is the wages, right, of sin. So uh, there's this future coming for us. And, and when we battle temptation, men, yeah, it should cause us to long for heaven. And I think we see that in some of the older saints, the uh, the more seasoned believers who are getting ready to, to die and and go to be with the Lord. And they know what's waiting for them. And they're so confident in their souls of what's waiting for them. Yeah. There's a peace. And part of that peace comes from they know that they're about to be done having to fight and battle temptation and sin. Right. Um, you know, even the apostle Paul at the end of his life, look, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. I fought the fight. I finished the race. Mm-hmm. He, you can sense the weariness and the exhaustion in, in his voice there. And he's saying, now there awaits for me the crown of righteousness. Right. And not just for me, but for everybody who loves his appearing, as he says there in 2 Timothy 4. Yeah, just it, it causes us our affections to be stirred for heaven. What's the last, Colin? Yeah, the last one is, uh, you touched on this a, a little bit previously, but temptation works for good when it engages Christ's strength. It engages his strength um, to help us battle. Um, is he he f- went through all temptations that, that we faced and lived that perfect life. And that perfect life, if we're believers, that we get that great exchange, we get that life. But while we're here, we have to continue to battle it and we have to continue to just know that um, how powerful um, just God is. And when we think about Jesus and the life that he lived, how bright of a light that he was, just being able to face all these temptations and uh, live this life perfectly. And so we are able to engage his strength uh, when we're battling temptation, when we're fighting through it, when we're praying through it, and um, you know, just constantly being in the Word and, and putting up a fight. It's not laying down, but putting up a fight knowing that we have the strength of Christ behind us. Right, right. Yeah, and that's key. That's the foundation there. If you don't have Christ, you're a sitting duck. Right. I mean, there's no way around it. This guy, Thomas Watson, uh, again, a Puritan pastor writer, um, said at the end of kind of reflecting on the good of temptation, he said this, surely if the devil knew how much benefit accrues to the saints by temptation, he would forbear to tempt. What an amazing statement, right? And so men, that's our, our prayer. That's our hope. We appreciate you sticking with us, bearing with us, even through that initial first five, six minutes of us Might talking about- Might have been about, tempted to go, but you stayed. You, I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah you, you stuck around. Um, you were able to leave. You weren't unable, incapable of leaving, but you stuck around. And it actually works for good. Right, Hopefully. right. <laughs> well, now that we've beat a dead horse. Um, hey, we will be praying for you guys this week. We know that you're going to face temptation. We live in a broken and fallen world. The enemy is the prince of the power of the air of this world that we live in right now. And we are looking forward to another one. But right now, this is the world that we've got. This is the world that we live in. And so we will be praying for you men to resist uh, well, to fight well, and to benefit even from the temptation in your life as it propels you forward in your relationship with Christ.